Welcome to FO Podcasts. With me is Sanjeev Chopra. He's the author of We, the People of the States of Bharat, which is an iconic book about the redrawing of borders within India. He's also had a storied career in the government. He was a member of the heaven-born Indian Administrative Service, the service that rules everything uh, from education to finance. And he was the head of the academy that churns out these mandarins uh, who rule the modern version of imperial China, which is India. So without further ado, <laughs> welcome to my old instructor, Sanjeev Chopra. <laughs> Thank you, Atul. One, I'm not old. I'm, of course, your instructor. And I don't quite agree with your description of the IAS or about what we do. You're not a churning machine, really, but... Anyways, let's let's get along with the conversation. Let's talk about your book. At least we can agree somewhat on that. Yes. So, so the borders of India have been redrawn more than any other countries, the internal borders, uh, since 1947. So what's the story there? Why? You see, I think the reason goes back to the freedom movement and perhaps even earlier. I call my book The States of Bharat because British India always had provinces. And these were administrative constructs. When the British came over and they took over various parts of the country, you know, they started with the presidency of uh, Calcutta, Madras, and Bombay, and then they kept expanding. Yeah. So they took was, the coasts and then they yes, expanded. And then they expanded. In, so it in was England. The, entire, yeah. uh, the entire logic was to capture territories, and they did not really look into whether it was uh, administratively convenient for the people because all they wanted to do was to collect revenue. Uh, the collectors, that's they why they were called collectors, your, they your, your were predecessors. <laughs> and, they were collectors. And they're still and called correct collectors. They are called district magistrates now, and in many places we call them uh, deputy commissioners, but let's not quibble over this. <laughs> okay. The point is, you see, that during the freedom movement itself, uh, this realization had come that once India is free, India has to be reorganized on linguistic lines because India has been a linguistically diverse country from times immemorial. And when I say times of memorial, I mean right from the times of the Mahabharata and the Ramayana, India has been accepted as a multilinguistic state, right? And therefore, the fact that India will always have many different languages, many different, uh, you know, uh, many different ways of looking at itself and its political formation was always there. And therefore, you know, we started having, uh, I mean, when, when Mahatma Gandhi made Congress a mass organization, uh, that is when he changed the Congress from being an English-speaking club uh, to a mass movement, then he insisted that we should have a Sindh Congress, a Bangla Congress, a Kannad Congress, you know, a Telugu Congress, a Tamil Congress, because he felt that this is how people will identify themselves with the larger cause. And there was never a contradiction between, you know, speaking Telugu and believing in a good Bharat. You know, in fact, our national anthem itself says, Punjab, Sindh, Gujarat, Maratha, Dravid, Utkal, Bangla. I mean, what diversity. And, and uh, lest we forget, Gandhi ran three newspapers. Yes. One, one in Gujarati, one, one in, in Hindi, and, and one, one in English. English. Yes, so, so, so the multilingualism was hard baked into and, India's and, freedom and, and movement. Let's, let's also realize, you see, that the Congress became a mass movement only when, even before Gandhi, this trio of Lal Bal Pal came onto the scene. So you had uh, Lal Lajpatrai, you had uh, Bipin Chandra Pal, Absolutely. And you had Tilak, you know, yeah. so when Bal these Gangadhar Bal Gangadhar Tilak, so this Bal, Bal, Lal yeah. uh, Trinity, 
only when they took over the stage it's only when you know the passionate speeches which these people made that's how they were able to get people into the international congress because i have been doing some research into the speeches of the of the presidents of the international congress if you read the speeches from say 1885 to 1905 they are speeches being given by very distinguished you know individuals i mean it could be the speech at the at the oriental society it could be a speech at a club in london good powerful english powerful verse powerful prose but it could not have roused the people to revolution it was only when lajal lajpat rai would speak in punjabi and hindi and a mixture of urdu that he could get people to you know to speak up when dilak got people mobilized uh, for the ganesh utsav it was because he was speaking in marathi absolutely and, and he was a great orator a great orator so all three of them were yeah. great orators and you cannot 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 compare the oratory of say surendranath banerjee uh, he was very good surendranath banerjee could tour the country speak in english write lead articles for tribune uh, make a case for the indianization of the civil service but but when it came to real facts on ground you know uh, in so far as you know whether the land tenures should be changed whether you know uh, how do you look at uh, at education how do you look at various things it required people to speak their own languages and this is what the congress recognized very clearly gandhi came on the scene in 1915 by 1917 the congress had decided to reorganize herself not on the lines of administrative states but on the lines of the linguistic affiliation of the people all right so one of the things when i'm uh, giving lectures around the world and i'm asked to compare india and china i always say the default setting of india is regional kingdoms and linguistic identities in india run very deep absolutely and the, and the default setting of china is an is an empire ipso facto you have an emperor xi jinping today and, and in india there have been people who've tried to be emperors but invariably the regions said themselves so you'd See, say uh, that uh, no i i'll take you to the very first uh, lines of the bhagavad gita mm. the very first uh, line of the bhagavad gita is when dhritarashtra is telling sanjaya he saying tell me o sanjaya which are the armies on the kaurava side and which are the armies on yeah. the pandava side yeah. and then he describes kurukshetra you know, kurukshetra samveta yutsava mama kah pandavasya kim kurvat sanjaya so he is asking that which are the armies on the pandava side and which are the armies on the kaurava side so he goes on to say that look the kasi raj king is there the chola king is there the malaya kingdom is there and that was the conception of india from gandhar to the uh, you know to the cholas and the malayas and mm-hmm. deep here right up to the kamarupa kingdom yeah. so all jambu dweep jambu dweep jambu dweep of course is bigger than 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 bharat modern day india uh, than modern day india because yeah. jambu dweep uh was uh, was was all the islands was, was included course, included, in fact, included Dweep, indonesia included and afghanistan. afghanistan maybe we should have them back <laughs> no I, i don't know what that but diego garcia certainly was part of lakshadweep also certainly was part of the was part of the of the jambudweep conception so we could uh, have that back too <laughs> <laughs> well but you know uh, on a more serious note you see my work has been basically to look at what india was in 1947 because india was actually the territories which were being ruled by the british exactly how the many princely states because our the 562 yeah, princely states yeah. were with india and nine had opted to go to pakistan mm-hmm. these 562 include jammu kashmir hyderabad and junagadh 
which uh, were a bit, you know, which were not really making up their mind so clearly. Okay. But nine had gone to Pakistan and there were the Portuguese territories and there were the French territories. Let's exactly. not forget that. So you had actually in 1947, you had Portuguese territories, you had French territories, you had British uh, Indian provinces and you had 562 And how, how many provinces? States. We had at that time 11 provinces of which three went to Pakistan very clearly. And as far as, you know, because Sindh went to Pakistan, Northwest Frontier Province went to Pakistan and Punjab and uh, Bengal, they became two states each. So you had East Punjab and West Punjab and you had East Bengal and West Bengal, in which uh, East Bengal uh, came to, uh, went to Pakistan and, and, and that became East Pakistan, East Pakistan and now Bangladesh and uh, East Punjab came to India and West Punjab was with Pakistan. Excellent. <clears throat> so we have these eight states because you said there were there were 11 before 40, at 47 yeah, nine, and 8. No, no, we got nine because got nine. these two got, oh, yes, see, only Sindh and Northwest Frontier Province were states yes. which completely went off to got Pakistan. It, got it. So we right. got nine. So we, we have got nine, nine states. states and so when does the when does the first uh, division happen? I'm told 1956 is a big... I, I, I would not use the word division. I would use the word reorganization. Reorganization. When does the reorganization happen? The, the, the story happen? starts like this, hmm. that right in 1947, we had two instruments. There were the instrument of accession, mm -hmm. which got only three subjects to the federal list, which was, you know, defense, communications, and external affairs. But immediately after that, we had a merger agreement mm. with the states on the basis of which we took over the, and I say we, I mean the government of India took over the, over the civil revenue judicial functions of the states. And in lieu of that, privy purses were given to the, to the Rajas and Maharajas and Raj Pramukhs and Uparaj Pramukhs. The Compradore elite who sided well, with yes, the British, yes. you know, they were well, paid off. <laughs> uh, let me not use, uh, you know, because uh, there was agency involved. There was some agency involved. and There is uh, always agency with the compradors. Uh, you choose to become compradors. After all, Latin America was ruled through compradors. That's a standard I, I think, imperial you know, ploy. I, I think, you know, we sometimes uh, uh, use a concept and then try to fit things into those concepts. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case. Because there is always a failure of theory to incorporate all reality. So oh, let sure, me let sure. me just say that but, you know let's not I mean let's not get into this uh, into this uh, dialectic although the your 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 thing is the dialectic but no that's not the other podcast that. that, this is not this one okay that's yeah, not this yeah, one so yeah. let's not get into this dialectics or this but let's let's look but there were the still thing. lackeys to the British let's be honest about that well yes all right if you want to say that they were lackeys to the British they were surviving they were doing many things because you know it was a you're dealing with you're dealing with an asymmetry of a very high order. Mm. You're dealing with an asymmetry of a very high order. But anyway, be that as be the case, because we're dealing with post-47. <laughs> so the first step in the process was, what do you do with these 562 states, which were very diverse? You know, some were 21-gun salute states. Some had, some had, some were so small. You know, they were just about, you know, the, the total revenue was less than 5 lakh rupees. I mean, the total territory 500,000 for you know, our non-Indian so, listeners. So, yes, 500,000. And an area of four miles. So that was hardly anything. And then, of course, you had states like Jammu Kashmir, you had states like Hyderabad, which were very large by themselves. So how do you integrate them? So the idea was that where you have a very large state, like, for example, Mysore or Hyderabad or Jammu Kashmir, you let the geographical entity of that state remain itself 
and the erstwhile ruler was made a raj pramukh where you had smaller states much smaller states they were merged with each other or they were merged with a neighboring uh, province or a neighboring state of uh, british india many were made chief commissioners because you know they didn't want to merge with any of the on any one of the existing states and at the same time you know there was a lot of uh, movement uh, in uh, goa to 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 come to india this movement in chandnagar to come to india so parallelly we were having agreements with the french uh, with the french our relationship was pretty good because the first agreement that india signed with any country after independence was with france in which it was decided that the french territories would come back to india and that was an agreement made in august 47 itself so the process of getting the french territories back was much easier goa was a uh, portugal was a different cup of tea well portugal was, was ruled a, by was, salazar who yes, was a dictator salazar who was, was dictator, an imperialist he tried to do yeah. many things but we'll come to 61 later so yeah. 47 to 48 49 we tried to integrate all these things and we were able to we were quite successful in most states except jammu kashmir Uh, which was very vacillating uh, which could not decide uh, whether to be this side or that side in fact it wanted to 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 carve out a space for itself like was at hyderabad and uh, jamnagar you know he wanted to go to pakistan and he actually did go to pakistan uh, but the state was predominantly hindu so it, it stayed back so this was the first few years uh, first three years of uh, of india's independence where i would call it an administrative reconstruction mm. because there was no mass movement to make pepsu there was no mass movement to create a saurashtra there was no mass movement to you know merge tavankur and cochin uh, it was an administrative arrangement to get uh, states together but it would have been impossible for a federal government to handle 562 units absolutely therefore uh, till 1950 i call that the administrative rearrangement in the country but even in 1950 there was a demand uh from several parts of the country that why don't you reorganize us on linguistic lines which had been the promise before independence now there were two factors which the government of india was slightly reluctant because of the holocaust that took place immediately after partition and there had been uh, you know about at least 5 to 7 uh, lakh that is 500 to 700000 deaths about you know 10 to 12 million displacements so Uh, yeah, and the, Punjab, Punjab and, and Punjab. Bengal, so Bengal both, both suffered enormously, and our no, mutual friend Ishtiaq Ahmed has, in fact, has done a great job. In the case of Punjab, out of the population of about 35 uh, million, about one third of that population was displaced or you know moved out. Yeah. So that was the reason why I think Mr. Nehru uh, and also Patel uh, agreed that it can be deferred for some time. So um, Jawaharlal Nehru was the first Prime Minister of India, <coughs> and Sardar Patel was the first Home Minister of India. For foreigners, uh, Home Minister is uh, like the Department of Interior, which is a rather important position in a in a very diverse country like India. And let me also add that he was also the Deputy Prime Minister, yes, which that meant too. that he was yeah. uh, he was just about equivalent to Nehru. Mm. And in terms of political stature, in terms of political will. Uh, he counted for a lot. He yeah. counted for a lot, and so far as the internal management of the country is concerned, uh, Patel's was the last word on the subject. And so far as the internal security matters of the country yeah. is concerned, and he's rightly credited with unifying the country. Absolutely. He did a Absolutely. phenomenal job. Absolutely. So then, what happens is that in uh, 1950, uh, so you create, uh, we create, you know, f- four types of states in the country. We have 
we call them the part A states, which is the nine erstwhile provinces of British India. We call them states now. And we create uh, states under the Raj Pramukhs, uh, which were the ones which were which were uh, the, you big know, the big states. princely states or associations of states. Mm-hmm. And then we created part C states, which were smaller territories, I mean, smaller kingdoms or smaller territories, which got their chief commissioners and they also got some elected government, some chief ministers, some assembly, but not the same powers which a state would have. And we had Andaman and Nicobar as a part B state uh, that is directly ruled uh, by the by the government of India. Andaman and Nicobar, as you are aware, was a penal settlement and therefore it had to be run directly uh, by the government of India. So this is what the, what the formation of the states was in 1950. Uh, but from the very beginning, you know, from 1951, 52, uh, when in 52, uh, when uh, see Raja Ji, Raja Chari, when he wanted to shift the course of the rivers, uh, the Krishna River specifically, from the predominantly Telugu-speaking areas to the Tamil-speaking areas, all hell broke loose. And the Telugus felt that they are being discriminated against. They felt that they, they are being deprived of the state. And therefore... Uh, two Gandhians went on a hunger strike. Uh, Poti Sriramalu actually lost his life. And after his death, I think on 15 December of uh, 2000, uh, of 1952, uh, there was uh, a lot of bloodshed and violence. And Nehru had to concede uh, Andhra state. Now, that was Andhra state version 1. So, the seven uh, Telugu-speaking districts of the erstwhile state of Madras got the statehood. But immediately after that, Nehru also announced the establishment of the state's reorganization commission, which would then go into the entire aspect of how we can reorganize the country on regional, linguistic, ethnic, uh, whatever you know issues there were. So the uh, so this commission was appointed, and this commission toured the country for about a an year and a half. It received 1.5 lakh memoranda, which means 150,000 memoranda. Uh, you know some. Uh, in some states, uh, they wanted, uh, you know, a division or a reorganization. In some places, they did not want. So they toured the country and then they came out with, with a report, which is called the SRC report, which uh, then reorganized uh, the country again on linguistic uh, lines. Uh, but the SRC uh, uh, reorganized the South. But as far as the, as far as the states of Bombay, Punjab and Assam are concerned, it held the view that because these are border states and because at that point of time, the defense of national borders, that is our borders with Pakistan, East Pakistan and West Pakistan, were the responsibility of the state police. Therefore, it was felt that you needed to have a strong state. Uh, you needed to have a big state which could have a, which could have a police force which can uh, you know, be the first line of defense on the international border. Therefore, uh, the, the, the demand for a Marathi-speaking state or the demand for a Gujarati-speaking state which would have come out of Bombay, uh, the separate Punjabi Suba which would have come from Punjab uh, or the demands of Manipur and Tripura uh, and uh, uh, and Meghalaya and the others in the Northeast. And that Nagaland, of course. And Nagaland, of course. <laughs> that, that was not accepted. Exactly. All right. So, so it wasn't accepted. So what happens... Going forward, how well, do these states come what into What happens being? after that is, you see, that by 
1960, the uh, demand for uh, a Maratha speak, Marathi speaking state mm. become rich, reaches a crescendo. Now, here the interesting point, Atul, is that you see, at that point of time, the three important uh, political formations in the country, uh, the Congress, the Communist Party, and the Bharati Jansang, which is the precursor party to the to the Bharati Janata Party today. The modern-day yes. ruling party. Yes. None of these three parties wanted a reorganization of Bombay state. And why was that? Because they were comfortable or, you know, they, they were not very keen because all these three national parties... Uh, still that time felt that, you know, as long as we can manage these things, they always felt that uh, at that point of time, the thought was that a large state is easier to manage. Remember, we were part of the of the Soviet type of planning. You know, you had this five-year plan. Yeah, I mean, I, I, was, at that, Neet, I that, was at Niti Aayog and yes, I called it an organization. It was a planning commission. I yes, called it, it Vegetarian Stalinism. <laughs> <laughs> vegetarian Stalinism. Okay, I agree with the vegetarian part of it, whether it was Stalinist or not. because Five-year plans. You could have many different kinds of sources, you know. And the, and the thing. But anyway, I thought the point is that, you know, to yeah. run a five-year plan, in fact, when you go through the correspondence, they were so obsessed with the five-year plan. Yes. And they felt that, you know, if a state is large, it'll be able to make, make ports, it'll be able to exactly. fund, you know, uh, large dams. And they felt that a small state cannot create that kind of infrastructure, cannot have uh, irrigation command yeah. projects. Remember, we were obsessed with irrigation command yeah. projects. We were obsessed with airports, not airports so much, but with ports and ports, with yeah. large infrastructure. If so I may just add, that was the zeitgeist, not just in India, but almost all socialist countries. Because you wanted a command and control economy, what the French call a dirigiste economy. Ipso facto, if you fragmented your political units, that would create more friction and that would have less coordination. So it wasn't just India. Yes. So, I mean, so that was the dominant feeling at that time. But the important point to note is that the ground condition was such that, that everybody in Maharashtra I mean, they broke ranks with the Communist Party. They broke ranks with the Congress Party. There was a, something called the Samyukta Maharashtra movement, you know. So mm -hmm. they said nothing doing. I mean, when it comes to asking for a separate state for the Marathas, we are going to ask for a separate state for Marathas. It doesn't matter whether you are from the Congress or from the, you know, the Socialist Party or this party or that party. We are going to be together uh, as, far as, the, as far as the demand of Maharashtra is concerned. And likewise in the case of Gujarat. You know, so I think this was... Uh, and therefore, what happened was that in 1960, the Congress lost all elections in the Bombay state. I mean, they lost the parliamentary elections, they lost the assembly elections, they lost the Zilla Panchayat elections, they lost all elections, including elections in Bombay. So, it, 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 so was that the first wipeout for the Congress well, the party? Because they had lost out, in no, Kerala. The first wipeout was actually in Kerala. Yeah, exactly. The, the first communists came to was power. In Kerala. They, they had also lost position in, in Punjab and in Pipsu. Uh, mm -hmm. But they made an alliance with the Akali Dal at that time. But but yes, Kerala and Maharashtra were the first states where the Congress actually suffered a major setback. And therefore, you know, Maharashtra was considered and uh, this was considered. Actually, the main issue also was about Bombay state, about the city of Bombay. You mm -hmm. see, the Gujaratis felt that, you know, Bombay has been made by their capital. Uh, you know, so the, the Gujaratis... They probably had a point. <laughs> well, of course, they had a point. I mean, the Sindhis felt that they were there. So, and, and Ambedkar also felt that, you know, you needed uh, you needed a city like Bombay. In fact, there was a, there was a demand and, uh, and all, Bombay had almost become Union territory. 
It had almost become union territory. Uh, Nehru was very keen that it should become a union territory, but the Maratha lobby was very strong. They said, not only will we have Maharashtra, we'll have Maharashtra with Bombay as our capital. Mm. So that was the first. So, so, so it had to be accepted. Uh, then in uh, 19, uh, by 1961, of course, we had that uh, Goa was uh, liberated. Yeah. Uh, and We uh, kicked the Portuguese out. We kicked we the Portuguese a, out. A royal but, kick in their backside. But I'll tell you the story behind this is that it was only after the establishment of the Berlin Wall that it became very clear that NATO will assist each other only in the North Atlantic and not outside of North Atlantic. Because before that, uh, NATO was not very clear because Portugal kept saying, you know, that... Uh, that if there is an attack on any Portuguese territory, it'll be a it'll be a, an attack on North Atlantic. And Salazar also came out with the concept of pluricentralism, you know, in, in the sense that he uh, got senators from uh, from Goa to be on that side. So there was he did try to do many things of that side. And he that, also that's the norm for imperial powers. You have your compradors in so the colonies. Also, yeah. So he tried all that, yeah. but he was not very successful. Now. So, by 1961, uh, the interesting thing is that by 1954, Dadra and Nagaraveli had declared independence of the Portuguese. Mm. They had, you know, and that is an area where, where the RSS and the Congress and the RSMAJ worked together mm. uh, for the, uh, you know, they just occupied them. I mean, they just yeah, took so over Dadra and Nagaraveli. the RSS is the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh. Which is the parent organization of the Bharatiya Janata Party, the ruling party. That's and not RSMH, technically correct. That's but, not technically uh, correct. correct but, I mean, Let, uh, let's say they 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 they've certainly inspired the yes, party, the formation, yeah, they, they, they the, inspired party, the formation of the party. And Arisamaj was a reformist movement. It was a reformist uh, movement, particularly powerful in Punjab. Punjab and Gujarat. And Gujarat, yes. Punjab, Gujarat, and Hyderabad. Oh, I you didn't see, know about Hyderabad. Hyderabad yeah. was a, you see, in Hyderabad, there were several justices who came and joined the RSMI. Uh -huh. You see, wherever the Hindus felt like a minority, wherever the Hindus felt that they are threatened, you see, in fact, Punjab was a was a Muslim majority state. Of course, Hyderabad was a Muslim majority yeah. state, and in no, those, Hyderabad was a Muslim ruled. Oh, sorry, you're state, right. not a Muslim, Muslim majority state. state. You're right. You stand corrected. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It was a slip of the tongue, my dear. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> good at you know this. That's what I enjoy talking to you about. So you see, the other point is that the RSS and the Congress have collaborated on several locations, which is something which today neither the Congress would like to be would like to accept nor the RSS would like to accept. Yeah. But the point is, politics that makes strange bedfellows. So that is that's been there. So uh, so sixty. So but the more important thing is that in 1963, when one faction of the NSCN agreed to lay down arms. NSCN is National Socialist Council of Nagaland. Nagaland. And so I served in Nagaland 200 years ago when I had air on my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, you see, so at that time, one more principle was accepted that if there is an ethnic group which is willing to lay down arms mm -hmm. and is willing to accept the territorial integrity of India, then the, country, then the union government will be more than happy not more, would be willing to yeah. negotiate, and that's how, with a population of three lakhs only, three hundred thousand, uh, three hundred thousand, uh, the state of Nagaland was created in nineteen sixty-three. But I thought there is one more factor which very few people know about, and that is that in nineteen fifty-four, the assemblies of Bengal and Bihar wanted to merge their state. 
Oh, uh, yeah. They I, I, wanted I, I, to merge uh, their state and that was... that. I think that been, might have been a good idea. Would have been a, <laughs> I don't know what, but you see the point was that the background to this is the very successful rehabilitation of Punjabi refugees in Punjab. Yeah. Uh, the International Congress had an annual session in Amritsar in 1953. And when B.C. Roy saw the, uh, the excellent uh, rehab of uh, Punjabi refugees, you know, both the Chat Sikhs who had been given a lot of land, I mean, who were able to exchange their lands, and the Punjabi Khatris who had found jobs and employment and had almost integrated uh, with, the, with the larger canvas of Punjab. Yeah. And then he started thinking that, look, what has happened to, 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 to the Bengali refugees? Because, you know, because uh, land, the, the density of population land in Bengal was much more. And they didn't have any empty spaces, you know, as we had in, in, in this place. So, some Bengalis were sent to Andaman and Nicobar Island. Some had been sent to, you know, Dandakaranya. Some had been sent to Pilibit. Some had been sent. So, they had been scattered all over. And he felt that if he could, uh, if he could, you know, rehabilitate all the Bengali refugees into uh, the then very sparsely populated areas uh, of Bihar, that area of Bihar, which is now Jharkhand, uh, he felt that that would be a win-win situation for both the Bengali refugees as well as for Bihar as well as for Bengal. And both B.C. Roy uh, and Sri Krishna Sina were quite willing to do this thing, and they. Both the assemblies passed the resolution. The English press was gaga, ecstatic about it. Uh, Nehru welcomed the idea. But the UP Congress put a spanner in the works because they felt that if there's a state larger than UP, then it will have a much greater political control over the country. So I think that's what happened. And soon, uh, both of them developed cold feet. In any case, the CPM was... Totally opposed to this move because the CPM, CPM is the Communist Party, Party of India, India Marxist. Marxist. At that time, it was CPI. At that oh time yeah, that's true. That's that true. CPI, that's United true. CPI. Yeah. Because they United Communist Party of United India. Communist Party. Because they felt that you know they had a very strong hold over the East Bengal displaced person, yeah. and they also felt that if they were, I mean, the cynical viewers that they they felt that if the rehabilitation is done, uh, you know, the credit the rehabilitation is done then Congress will get all the credit and they will lose their base and their cadre and their strength, which was there. So it's a, we don't know what the real story is, but it was opposed by the communists. It was imposed by the, by which time the whole issue came up, you know, the Bihar-Bengal divide. I mean, the people, uh, Bengalis would have become a minority in this new state because Bihar's population was, was more than the population of uh, Bengal at that time. So, some or the other, the regional press was against it. The English press was in favor of it, but the proposal did not take off. So, we're back to 1963. Nagaland gets created. Now, the next major thing that happens is the creation of the Border Security Force on 1st December 1965. Now, once Rustamji, wasn't he? Yes, the big boss? Yeah, he was. Rustamji was the DGP of Madhya Pradesh. Yeah. And he took over. In fact, uh, and, uh, you know, first first thought was that the, the army had been asked to organize a border guard. But General Chaudhary was not very keen on, on this. And therefore, the police was then asked to create the BSF. So that's how BSF was created by Rustamji and then by Ashwini Kumar, two legendary uh, police officers. So that's how it, but when BSF and, was created. And just, 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 just yeah. uh, for our listeners, 
Uh, in India, uh, we have a strange uh, service just like the IAS called the Indian Police Service, which is more like the Internal Security Service. So it staffs the higher echelons of intelligence as well as paramilitary organizations known as central police organizations. And back in the day, it was the Imperial Police, and a lot of the officers there had militaristic training and a semi-military or at times quite a storied military background. So these um, officers that we are talking about were extraordinarily well-qualified, experienced, and, uh, and actually uh, very competent, which is why they were able to create such big organizations. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, in fact, uh, well, the CRPF was already there. The yeah. CRPF was established in 1935. Well, BSF was one of the first uh, uh, paramilitary forces of India. And it's today one of the largest paramilitary forces anywhere in the world yeah. with an air wing and a yeah. water wing and a camel wing and a horse wing and a dog squad. So I think you name it and the BSF has it. Yeah. Uh, it also ha- has fat officers who can't run five kilometers at the top. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Being so <laughs> no, no, they are my batchmates. I know some of them personally. All right, you may know some of them, but you also know smart, intelligent people. Oh, yes, yes. So I, 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 what I'm saying is, some people there should be fired, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but crack on. Yeah, okay, so you know, when the BSF was created, yeah. then the logic of not giving a Punjabi suba in Punjab, yeah, or not having a Meghalaya in. Was lost. In, or not having a Mizoram yeah. or not having. So that was lost. So actually, you know, the, the creation so, of yeah, Nagaland. Hold fire, hold fire, hold the fire. creation of one second. Yeah. The creation of Nagaland and the establishment of BSF meant that the reorganization of Assam and Punjab was faith accomplished. Okay, you know? faith accomplished. Okay, so, so hold fire. The, the, let's go back. Was the BSF, the border security force, that instrumental? in the formation of states? Did it have such a big impact on India? You see, it is like this, that the theoretical argument for not giving a Punjabi suba no longer existed. Now, it is not such a simple equation that, you know, BSF was created and Punjab was made. No. Understood. It's not linear. It is not linear, but the whole logic that we cannot give you a state because, you know, you have to defend the... Remember that... Uh, Punjab also had Lahol Spiti and all these areas, the hill states were a part of Punjab. Then you see, because in that Punjab was a very big Punjab. Absolutely. That Punjab went up to Lahol Spiti and all these things. And and that Punjab police also had the responsibility of the JNK border. Because the JNK did not have a strong police and therefore Punjab police is actually handling the JNK border Mm -hmm. and handling the Himachal, I mean, which is now Himachal, Lahol Spiti, all these frontier areas, you know. So it was... so. So once the BSF was created, Punjab's home department or Punjab police was divested of its responsibility on that front. And therefore, the whole logic that, you know, you need a large state in order to defend the border, that disappeared. Understood. Now, this is not something which is often talked about in political circles because uh, everybody would like to take credit for it. So Mrs. Gandhi would like to take credit for having said that I have given Punjab. Mrs. You know, Gandhi as is Indira Gandhi. As Indira Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. And the then, late you know, Indira Gandhi. The late Indira Gandhi. And yeah. Master Tara Singh, Santhwati Singh, they all said, sort of, we've created Punjab, we've created Punjab. Actually, the reason for Punjab having been created was elsewhere. But if you have to take credit 
for creating a new state, then you have to, you no. know, highlight some points and not highlight other points. There's an, old, there's an adage, right? Success has <laughs> many fathers, whilst failure is an orphan. Anyway, so, so you'd mentioned Lahol Speedy. That bring this brings me on to a very important point because you've talked about it. And when I wrote my blurb for your book, I mentioned it. Ladakh, Lahol Speedy, and all the way to the Buddhist areas of Uttarakhand wanted a border state, which yes. never happened. And which never in happened retrospect, before. that would have been brilliant yes, because that, that would have been, been a buffer. Uh, for us against China, which is which took Tibet, by which the way, in 1950. Tibet, by the way. You see, that was, I think, a big blunder because, at the, I mean, of 1950 course, in or 51. In, in 19, yeah. you see, in hindsight, is the best side. But at that point of time, we were looking at Ladakh through the prism of Jammu and Kashmir. Yes. We were looking at, see, but I just wanted to mention uh, that uh, Jammu Kashmir is name, official name before 47 was. Jammuwa, Kashmirwa, Tibbatwa, Ladakha. So the princely state of Jammu Kashmir actually thought it's a, I mean, imagine itself as a constituent of four parts, I mean, of four states. So it was a confederation of four states. And there was little uh, organic, um, uh, you know, similarity between, say, Ladakh and Jammu or even between Jammu and Kashmir or between Kashmir and Tibet. Uh, I mean, let's so, be honest, it was a product of conquest and it retained its entity as a buffer state. It was very useful for the British. In fact, those of you who are listening to this should do two things. See our timeline on Kashmir, on Fair Observer, and you can read our my article from 2019 when Article 370 was removed on Kashmir. But crack on. On. Yes. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, at that point of time, we were looking at Ladakh from the prism of Jammu and Kashmir. And because India had made the case that we want the whole of JNK. Yes. You know, and uh, interestingly, you know, the uh, look at the ironies of history. India was being defended by Sheikh Mohammed Abdullah. And mm. Pakistan was being defended by Sir Zafrullah Khan, who yes. was an Ahmadiyya. Yes. So now <laughs> the the two main uh, you know people who are defending both their countries are persona non grata than both the countries. Exactly. Right? The so, Ahmadiyyas so were declared. Not, uh, just a second for our listeners. The Ahmadiyyas were declared non-Muslims, uh, and it was none other than the, the Scotch swilling Zulfikar Ali Bhutto who did it because he needed a scapegoat after the 1971 war. Yes. Yes. So I mean, so it's a very. It's, it's, you know, history has some very interesting moments and some very... And I also want to tell you another thing. That is that Jinnah uh, hated Abdullah. And he hated the Nizam of Hyderabad. Mm -hmm. Because Jinnah's thing was to be the sole spokesman for yeah, Muslims, right? Yeah. He was the top dog. The top dog. Yeah. But if you compare the personality of Jinnah and compare the personality of Sheikh Muhammad Abdullah, I mean, you, there was just no comparison. Yeah. Abdullah was a great... Public speaker, Abdullah Tall, was being good you looking, know, good looking, handsome, ladies man. Ah well, yeah, <laughs> even Jinnah was a ladies man to that extent. But but on a more serious note, Atul, see the Congress had been Congress and especially Nehru had been had been projecting Sheikh Mohammed Abdullah not just as a leader of Kashmir, but, all but as a leader of no, mm -hmm. as a leader of the All India States People's Congress. Oh, yes, of course. So, yes, so he course. was not being projected as a leader. He was being projected as the leader of all those who were fighting for democratic reform against yes. the rulers. Exactly. Against those rulers who were, had been foisted 
by the British or whatever, whatever. Yeah. whatever. So this happened in the Tripur session of the Congress when, uh, you know, it was uh, it was under the leadership of uh, of uh, Bose. When Bose said that Subhash the fight, Chandra Subhash Bose. Chandra Bose, he said that the fight, because before that the Congress was a bit ambivalent on what is the position that we take vis-a-vis the States People's Congress. Mm. Because the the funding of the Congress also came from several of these Maharajas, whether it was That's the Maharaja of Darbhanga, whether it was the you know, various Maharajas, yeah. they were quite happy to, Baroda, for example, yeah. you know, Darbhanga. Who was example. a very progressive ruler, by so, the way. So they were all, so the Congress was not very clear about its positions, but in the in the Tripuri Congress, it was decided that the fight for freedom, the fight against the British, uh, the Congress will also support the fight against the rulers if the rulers do not bring in democratic reforms, that is, the rulers do not get a popular assembly. So, Sheikh Mohammed Abdullah was being projected as the leader of all the states in the country. So, uh, there was a problem and, and he had converted his Muslim Congress from the Muslim Congress to the National, National Congress. Con- yeah. National so, Conference. National Conference. Yeah. And the other person that Jinnah did not like very much was, was the Nizam of Hyderabad. Because but Nizam had all the money. Nizam had all the money. Yeah. And Nizam and was also Royces. very, and Nizam was <laughs> also, uh, I mean, a very interesting person because he was the only one who was called His Exalted Highness. Exactly. All the others were His Highnesses. Yeah. But he was called His Exalted Highness because he had given a big donation uh, to the British in the First World War. And he also issued a firman to the Muslim soldiers of the country saying that you can go and fight in Turkey. Exactly. So, so and, and by and the way, and, and, by and the way it's, also, important, it's important to just uh, mention because it's a century ago we are speaking about. And a century ago, until Mustafa Kamal Ataturk abolished the caliphate, the caliph or the Khalifa was the Turkish Sultan. He was the head of the Sunni world. So for Indians and Pakistanis and Bangladeshis, at that time part of British India to go and fight if they were Muslim in Turkey was almost sacrilege. And in fact, after World War I, the Khilafat movement, the first non, sorry, the first mass movement that occurred in India was to restore the Caliph in Turkey. Which is ironic because the Turks got rid of no, the Caliph. No, but then also, Atul, <laughs> I, I think it's been hyped up beyond a point because none of the Mughal emperors recognized his authority. You see, none of the Mughal emperors, I mean... But there was a mass movement. No, no, Let's, there, there, there was a mass movement in mass 1919. Movement. Yes, mass that is true. Mass movement was created because, because you know, yeah. you need an issue. In fact, this is another example of, you know, creating an issue out of a non-issue. Yes. The fact is that from Babur dying up to Bahadur Shah Zafar, you show me any record where we have any ever given any Nazrana or any token money or anything to the uh, to them? But modernism changed that because at that time things were, were well, far but away. But modernism see, from in the Muslim world, uh, in particular outside the Arab. So, okay, now we have moved on to, so now we have come to 1965, exactly. 1966, Punjab is created, Haryana is yeah. created, Himachal Pradesh is created. Incidentally, before that, there was a move for Maha Punjab also. But that move for Maha Punjab did not get much favor. A pity you could have been chief minister. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, you never know, then you might have got the Maha Punjab Carter. <laughs> and you may not have quit. <laughs> uh, but you know, you can imagine a situation where I could have been the chief secretary and you could have been, you know, the head of the police uh, force there. So. A dreadful combination. <laughs> 
it would have been a it would have been a delightful at least we would have had some delightful conversation but anyway so you see then that is another that is another important uh, fact that you know this started happening and then uh, from that period onwards the idea that we can have smaller states that started getting accepted you know in a big way because himachal was created in 71 uh, sikkim got integrated to india in 1975 that's very important which is something i was going to yeah. ask you and i'm glad you mentioned it sikkim is an oddity because sikkim was an independent kingdom a sort of brought. no 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 so that that's not myth. true that's the myth which has been spread by Americans. my very dear my very dear friend sunanda kedatare who was a okay. friend of the chogya I but see. you see the fact is that let's let's look at at tibet tibet was a lepcha kingdom sure it's taken over by the bhutias but both lepchas and bhutias were affiliated to or were under the influence of you know the lai lamas uh, buddhism yeah and they were both a monastic order yeah and uh, they spent a lot of their time in you know trying to achieve salvation counting their prayer beads did mm-hmm. not go out and cultivate their lands which is a larger point that i made that all communities which lose the connect with the land are bound to lose the land altogether mm-hmm. so what happened was that in 1870s they invited the gurkhas or the nepalis to come and cultivate the lands around their monasteries mm. by 1947 the nepalese population had grown in numbers because uh, uh, they were and we see agricultural societies agricultural communities uh, tend to have more children absolutely and therefore the nepalese grew and yeah. the tibetans and the lepchas became less and less so that in 1947 the majority population in sikkim was nepalese and they wanted to be part of india the nepalese congress led by one shering he wrote to nehru and said we want to be a part of uh, india because the chogyal had created an assembly in which you know uh, there were 20 seats for lepchas 20 seats for bhutias 20 seats for nepalese so in effect you were giving 60% people only one third of the uh, one third of the representation so they had no land but technically hmm. it was still an independent state or a princely state it was state. as independent as patiala was it was Excellent. as independent Jolly as baroda was got it because uh, sikkim was the vice chair of the uh, of the chamber of princes Understood. See, which is a different position from Nepal. So you can't compare Nepal Got or it. Bhutan. So Nepal and Bhutan are different. By the way, the Sikkim experience has made the Bhutanese very wary. And the king and I were together at Oxford, and he was at that time, and I'm sure still is, very keen on protecting Bhutan's uh, singularly unique identity. I, absolutely, Atul. I think the problem, the confusion, is that Bhutan, therefore, has been very clear yes. to maintain its ethnicity. not allow any demographic change mm-hmm. in fact uh, for you know if you remember that in the late 90s all the nepalese were virtually thrown out of bhutan yeah i remember that you remember yeah, that yeah, right course, was... therefore therefore you know so bhutan realized very clearly and very early that if you let demographics be shifted mm-hmm. you see because it's very easy demography uh, is destiny that's destiny. what you say so saying. you know so it is very easy for 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 anybody to say that you know why are things happening like but when when demographics changes you know the politics will change mm. therefore bhutan has very clearly and very intelligent yeah. i mean uh, let us not let me not use the word intelligently, intelligently or whatever <laughs> what i'm saying is that they have very clear you'll be a guest you'll be a guest of his highness very soon <laughs> i'm sure in thimphu no, i must tell you that you see One of my greatest regrets in life has been that the government of India never allowed me to visit 
Bhutan as a guest of the Queen Mother. Yeah. Because the Queen Mother used to live in Kalimpong. Uh-huh. And uh, once I carried uh, a gift from the Prime Minister uh, to her, mm. it was it was supposed to have been given by somebody from the MEA with the GNLF violence. That chap didn't come. Then he said, Divisional Commissioner will go. Then Divisional Commissioner passed on the duty to the DM. DM passed on the duty to me. So I took some gifts yeah. for the Queen Mother. And she was very happy, newly married. So, you know, the Rashmi and I went and met the Queen Mother. She gave us some ex- excellent, you know, uh, tea and, uh, and and other dry fruits and things. And she wrote a handwritten letter for me, inviting me and Rashmi uh, to come to Bhutan. But the government of India felt that we are too young and too junior to accept the hospitality. You know, you know, as aging, as a, you know, aging folks, we should go uh, as a guest of the king. <laughs> we should, we should <laughs> knock on his door. <laughs> but you know, the point is that having trained almost all the civil servants of, yeah. of Bhutan, I have a very good rapport with, uh, I'm with sure. all the Bhutan officers. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, the you know... They're the, lovely chaps. I mean, I, 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 had, a the, 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 I had a great the, time. I had a great time with the them issue, too. The issue that you are raising uh, is, is very unfounded because the situation is very different. Mm-hmm. Sikkim became a part of India not because of any grand design of Indians or because you were trying to compete with China. No, no, I'm not raising an unfounded of, issue. I'm just pointing out the discourse. That's okay. not, it's not my mm-hmm. job to raise unfounded issues, mm-hmm. but it is certainly my job to point out what well, it, is it, it, a popular yeah, narrative. It is a popular narrative. But, okay, so, so, so Sikkim I, I, becomes a part of India. Yeah, Sikkim Jolly becomes Gert. a part of India because of, and then we have to change Article 2. We yeah. have to, you know, first make it an associate state and then a state that is 75, then 78, you know, uh, Mizoram gets a statehood yeah. and other things happen. And then from UTs, they all become states and, you know, we have these accords. So by which time it is becoming very clear that India can do with, with many states. And you know, that making new states was not really an issue. Yeah. And by 2000, when we created Jharkhand, Uttarakhand and Chhattisgarh, both the Congress and the BJP were competing with each other uh, to say that I have created this. So in, in, in Uttarakhand, for example, the Congress said, we've created Uttarakhand. BJP said, we've created Uttarakhand. Uttarakhand Krantitar said, we have created Uttarakhand. So success in, in, had many fathers. Many fathers, right. <laughs> Excellent. So, so that same with, with the Jharkhand. Uh, so that, that, that resistance to having a small state, that had disappeared by 2000. In 2014, you had Telangana, which... Which, which meant, is unique in a way, because, because they have the same language as Andhra. So that whole argument, hmm. the whole argument that uh, other than Hindi, all other bhashas of Bharat should have only one state, that argument got knocked off. And therefore, now it is possible for a Vidharba to come up. It's possible for a state to come up in North Bengal. It's possible for a for a new state in Tamil Nadu, for a new state anywhere. In fact, there's already a demand for an Uttar Andhra Pradesh mm-hmm. in, in Andhra, the Royal Sima area and things. So all this thing will keep happening, which is fine. Uh, and do you uh, think the big giant Uttar Pradesh will be broken see, up? See, the broken up is a wrong word. <laughs> Reorganized. Reorganized. Oh, oh, I see. As a political scientist. I mean, no, first of all, uh, it's not a science. So let's skip with the pretense. All right. But all right. I mean, but I do not, As a student of politics. As a student of politics. Yeah. It's not division. It is reorganization. Uh, it's reorganization. See, I'm an old-fashioned old, old, old bureaucrat. Yeah. I'm a very, very you, old-fashioned you're, you're not a servant of the people, you're the master of the universe. Oh, come on, come on, come on. The, the, the truth is somewhere in between. <laughs> more to the master's master side. More to the master's side. You see, as a matter of fact, there is an assembly resolution of UP 
یونانیمس اسمبلی ریزولوشن آف یو پی وچ آرس فار دا ری آرگنائزیشن آف یو پی ان ٹو پورو پردیش پوروانچل اودھ اینڈ پورو پردیش اودھ اینڈ ون مور پوروانچل اودھ and Bundelkhand. Bundelkhand. These Excellent. were the four uh, uh, which they wanted. Yeah. So that Now we are, you're, you're almost going to give, uh, you know, UP Carter IS officers a heart attack. No, they'll uh, all be uh, very happy. There'll be many more chief secretaries. There'll be four chief secretaries. Four chief secretaries. No, no, so <laughs> that, that apart. I mean, so don't, but you see, UP is, look at UP's population, 24 crore. 240 million. 240 million. I mean, yeah. more than the population of Pakistan. Or equal, equal to the population yeah, of Pakistan, yeah. roughly equal yeah. to the population. And therefore, it is, and, and then look at the asymmetry among states, because it's a much larger question. That is a much larger federal question that how do you have a state like Sikkim, with 7 lakh people, mm-hmm. and a state like UP with, with you know, uh, 240 million people. Mm-hmm. So, there's a, the gap is I mean, very the wide. US has a similar problem. You've got Texas and you've got Vermont. Yes, that is so true. So, you've but got you California know, there is a, there and is you've a, got... Um, uh, You know, say Rhode Island. Yes, but but USA's politics is not as well evolved as ours is. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been reorganizing ours. We've been, we've been able to handle this. I mean, we, I, but, but, uh, so I think... There no, is I think, a, I think a, it's a different history. Where a different all history nations are, are, are products of their history. Yeah. For instance, here, whilst we've reorganized the states, At the district level, you still have the collector or what you call the district magistrate in the U.S. It is the elected mayor that holds sway. And that is because they were self-governing colonies of settlers. So it's a very different foundational DNA that they are building off of. See, that brings me to the point, Atul, that, uh, you know, the resistance to having mayors mm. and having the police commission, the municipal commission under the mayors, mm-hmm. That resistance does not come from the civil service. That resistance comes from the CM. Chief Minister, yeah. Because There are only three like positions to, in India. They, they Prime like Minister, PM, Chief <laughs> Minister, CM, and District <laughs> Magistrate, <laughs> DM. DM yes. uh, that's it. And everyone else is meant to clean shoes and polish tabletops. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. You don't have to. Uh, uh, no. But you see, the point is that, the, that the, under the 73rd and the 74th Amendment, these institutions are supposed to be powerful but the resistance to them yeah. is more from there because they are frankly, castrated from, in from, institutions from, they have from, no funding from, from uh, the, power from the point of view of the IS or the IPS yeah. we have to work with the political executive right yeah and we are their servants that political uh, let's let's say yes all right if you <laughs> insist on you, know, you you have this habit of you know putting uh, putting words, words to create <laughs> controversies and things in I'm your mouth get into that well, i think there is a role for the for the politician there's a role for the bureaucrat there's a role for civil society there's a role for everybody mm-hmm. and as we are as we are becoming uh, more modern as we are becoming more complex as we are moving from from uh, from a largely informal uh, you know society to a more complex state all these uh, things will 
will happen and they will get there will be evolution so in any case that is a much larger uh, that is that is the in fact the main issue that is afflicting us today that is that you see the mlas and the mps are MLAs uh, are members of know, legislative assemblies and, and MMPs, of course, are members of parliament. And they are supposed to write the law and they don't really but, do yeah, that. But they don't really do that. And yeah. what they are interested in is in nurturing their constituency. Exactly. Now, nurturing the constituency means that you are you are able to resolve the administrative issues yeah. of, you know, you set up a new college, a new hospital, a new yeah, yeah, yeah. this or a new that, which is not what they were meant to do. Exactly. This is exactly the job which the which the Zilla Panchayats, which the municipal, yeah. which the municipal bodies should do. And that resistance is coming. I, I think that is where we need a dialogue amongst the political parties in the country that, look, if we have to be truly federal, if we have to be yes. truly federal, then we got to decentralize. And that decentralization has to be essentially political. Because however much we might say, administrative decentralization will come to naught unless there's a politics to back it. And that is the real challenge for the country. Brilliant. On that note, wise as ever, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard Sanjeev Chopra. If you've enjoyed uh, listening to FO Podcasts, make sure you listen to it on Apple, Spotify, mm on our website, wherever, sign up for our newsletter, and we shall see you in on with another interesting guest. And of course, we'll have the great Sanjeev Chopra back. Thank you very much. Thank you, Atul. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs>